whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends. Karen Pennington here. And yesterday, I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with this, but yesterday I had a little bit of difficulty with focus. Uh, Not so much on what I was seeing, but on what I was hearing. And so eventually what I did for just a bit was blame my husband for the problem. And we laughed about it because it was obviously not his fault. It was all my fault. So here's what happened. I went on a really long walk. I was actually, ironically, went on a walk to focus. Uh, I was listening to a podcast trying to just kind of focus in on God. And there's some noisy streets. Even though I live in a small town, I live kind of near the downtown. So there's still a lot of noisy streets, a lot of trucks. One particular motorcycle that likes to, you know, rev up. So I'm walking and I just have my probably bad for my ears. I have my phone playing with the podcast and I have my headphones in my ear. They're not that strong, but the phone was all the way up. And I, (laughs) and so I was trying so hard. I like, I, I could still hear it. And so I'm listening. I'm almost at the end of the podcast. Well, all of a sudden the phone rings. So I (laughs) took the headphones out of my ear put the phone up to my ear and started talking. I could tell it was my husband. I'm like, hello, 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 hello. You know, I just keep going probably like 30 seconds. And I'm like, well, listen, if you're going to call me, talk, don't call me and not talk to me. This is dumb. You're wasting my time. You know, I'm getting like aggravated. And <laughs> then I looked down and realized I took my headphones out of my ears, but I did not take them out of the phone. I could have done one of two things. I could have kept the headphones in my ears, and then talked into the phone, then I would have heard my husband, or I could have taken, you know, the apparatus, they were plugged, they weren't wireless, I could have unplugged my headphones and put the phone in my ear, but, so, all of the feed was going elsewhere, because my ears weren't in the right place, (laughs) I was plugged in the wrong way, so I couldn't hear the message. And what was more, my husband, he did laugh at me because I guess I only yelled at him for about 15 seconds. (laughs) I'm like, I'm so sorry. But as I was walking, the storms were gathering and there was a thunderstorm starting. And I was actually in a fairly dangerous place because I was like the block I was on, tons of trees hanging over my head. And um, you could hear thunder in the distance. It looked like possibly a pretty big electrical storm was coming. And so my husband called because he was trying to save me from the electrical storm. He knew my route, but he wasn't sure exactly where I was. So he wanted to get to me as quickly as possible. So here's my husband trying to give me this saving message of where we could meet each other so I would not be killed by lightning. You know, and I'm yelling at him for not talking when really the problem was not his talking. The problem wasn't even my ears. It was that... My ears were not in the right place. Or the message was getting jumbled by an extra connection that shouldn't have been there, right? And um, (laughs) I laughed at myself 
Ben laughed at me. He likes to laugh at me. And I immediately thought, oh my goodness, how many times do I do that with God? How many times do I say, God, I can't see you. Where are you? Why aren't you showing me? Or God, I can't hear you. Why aren't you listening? Well, I mean, why aren't you? I know you can hear me, but why aren't you talking, God? I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to listen. And really, the problem is I'm plugged in to the wrong thing. I've plugged into something that is jumbled or sometimes even totally stifled my ability to hear God's voice. It's not that he's not talking. The problem is never God's voice. It never is. It's our ears. What are we doing? What are we doing? And sometimes it's we're not hearing what we want to hear from him. And so we ignore it, you know. Um, I would always say, if you're having a hard time hearing God's voice, and I say this to myself, start with what you know. Be obedient with what you know. Sometimes we want the big deal. Who am I going to marry? Where do I need to live? What job do I need to take? Um, Should I have children or not? Do I take that job at the church? Which church do I go to? How do I deal with my family? And God's just saying, get up and pray. Pay your bills. Be nice to your neighbor. Just start with what you know. And then you can build that up. But I want to talk just a little bit again about the church at Colossae where they were having a hard time with tuning into what God was saying. And I will say, I had mentioned this in an earlier podcast, if they anyone had an excuse, they probably had a pretty good excuse. They were a young church um, and there was a lot of things being spoken to them, spoken to them in the name of Jesus. Um, it was, there was an issue called syncretism that happened a lot in the Greek and the Roman Empire. And people would just, like they had their belief set and another set would come in and instead of going, okay, I'm not this, I'm this, they would like mesh them all together. That's why the Romans and the Greek gods have a lot in common and sometimes just have different names and it gets all jumbled up because they would just adopt each other's religion. Okay, I like that, I like that. It's kind of like piecemealing your faith together. Um, And that's fine when the religion isn't right, because if it's all wrong, you might as well jumble the wrong stuff together, you know? But in terms of Jesus, which is the one and true hope, the one and true living God, it was getting jumbled. It was getting jumbled with angel worship. There was an angel worship cult. It was getting jumbled by, like, a works righteousness mentality, the Jews that were in the area, um, sometimes called Judaizers. They were saying, no, you have to do this and this and this and this. So it was getting jumbled with, oh, what laws do we have to keep? What rituals do we have to keep? Um, And... It was getting jumbled up with Gnosticism, which is basically the worship of knowledge above anything else. I know I'm close to God because of the knowledge I have. And we may say that we're worshiping God, but really it's all about what I know, what I know, what I know, what I know, what I know. When we know Christianity is about who we know and the facts, when they're really facts, can lean into that truth. It's, It's all about that person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was... Jesus is central. It's our focus. But just like sometimes when I take pictures, I'll forget to take the lens off. Or because I'm horrible at cleaning windows and cleaning lenses, sometimes the lens will get really jumbled and then we can't see him clearly. And he's trying to like unjumble their lens because Paul never got to go to Corinth. He was probably writing him them from prison in Rome not too long before he got martyred. Uh, but here he is in Colossians 2.8. His main purpose is is said. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. 
And you have been given the fullest of Christ as who is who is the head over every power and authority. So basically, if it does not bow to the supremacy of Christ, if it does not show you how Christ is alone enough, then it's not the right teaching. There's your focus. Just like I knew I had to take my headphones out because that was keeping me from focusing on my husband. That I had to take it out. And he gives a little bit, to be more clear, it's still hard because you're like, Okay, well, there's all these thoughts. Which one's true? Which one's true news with all the fake news? And it's not always easy to give that answer, but Paul is giving them a little bit of a way to clean their lens, to fix their focus. Um, and this is Colossians 3. It says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, and not on earthly things. Earthly things... Are servants. You put them in front of Christ and they're going to cloud your vision. They're just dust, fingerprints, vapor. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. And here's how to clean your lens. Here's what he says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. So you want to hear God? You want to clear your lens? Here's the list. Sexual immorality. You doing stuff you shouldn't be? You thinking stuff you shouldn't be? Are you looking at stuff you shouldn't be? That'll cloud your lens. Impurity. That covers a lot of stuff. Are we gossiping? Are we willfully disobedient against what we know God wants? Are we harboring resentment? Lust. Lust. We think of that in a sexual sense. And that word is epithumia. What it really is is earthly desires. Evil desires and lust. It's epithumia. It's putting something that's lesser than God in the place of God. Some things we should never lust after. Narcotics, you know, we shouldn't lust after that. A woman or man that is not our spouse, shouldn't lust after that. Belongings that take us from the way of Christ, shouldn't lust after that. I like a good sale. <laughs> we shouldn't even lust after that, even though it's okay to enjoy it, yeah, but not more than God. Not when it takes the place of our priorities. Um, evil desires and greed. Not just do I want it, but I've decided I have to get it at all cost. I need to get that power. I need to get that person's goodwill. I need to get that popularity. I need to please those people. Has anyone ever thought of people-pleasing as idolatry? It is. Because when people-pleasing comes in the place of pleasing God... Or believing what God says about you? That's idolatry. <laughs> Greed is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things. Oh, here's another list for you. Anger, rage, malice, 
slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now, those of you who are good little church people who never use those cuss words, the A word, the B word, the D word, there's probably one for every letter, letter of the alphabet, the F word, you gossip? It's pretty filthy. In fact, I would say gossip is probably, oh, no, is far more damaging, far more offensive to God than referring to your backside or somebody's donkey by a word that begins with A. It's more damaging. You're speaking death to people. You're speaking death when Christ came to bring life. I'm saying you. I've done it. I've done it. I try not to. I slip sometimes. Or even when people give you a good word of gossip and your answer is, <gasps> and then you play right into the whole cycle, right? Malice. Okay, so you don't want someone dead. I don't want somebody dead, but when have I been so blinded because that person irritates me? I've done it to my neighbor. I've done it to people at church. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I know that clouds my vision. It's clouded my ability to be able to share with others. Slander. Well, there you go. Gossip. Doesn't take a tell-all book to ruin someone's reputation or to speak death into them or about them. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. Lying clouds our vision of Christ, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of Christ. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Divisions. Colossae was a trade route. It wasn't a major trade route anymore. It had gone down since the Ignatian way up north, kind of replaced it as the main trade route. But it still was right on the Lycus River. It connected the Aegean Sea to the Euphrates River. So there still was a lot of travel, a lot of metropolitan ways, a lot of new ways. And, and it wasn't us them. It's just us. When we're in Christ, it's just us. Then he tells you how to fortify your lens. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive. Forgive. Whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive. As the Lord forgave you. God has challenged me with this so much. Um, particularly when people have done major things. Uh, I share in my book there was a renter who was so mean to us. And we were just trying to show her grace. And she just trashed the property. And I counted it all up. She cost us, cost us about a third of a year's pay. About 100 days pay. And I had a hard time forgiving her. Then I read again the parable of the unforgiving servant. Where he did not want to forgive someone of 100 days pay. So he couldn't be forgiven for the multiple lifetimes of pay that he owed the king. And so it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So how much do we need to forgive? Only as much as we want God to forgive us. Tell you what, you cannot forgive God. Ain't nothing anybody has ever done to you or me. That can cast a light or even cast a shadow on, on what we have done to Christ. So I forgive selfishly. I forgive because I don't want 
to negate the forgiveness and grace God has in my life. Because whatever that person has cost me is nothing compared to what Christ can give me. And overall, these per virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. So when we're trying to focus on Christ, the voice of Christ, the sight of Christ, first way to go is, well, figure out what's clouding our lens. Is it helping us focus or clouding? Is this thought, is this desire, is this action, is it bringing impure thoughts? You know what they are. You have the Holy Spirit. You know when a thought doesn't feel right. Is it bringing greed? Is it causing you to desire things that aren't of God? Is it causing you to lust sexually or otherwise after things that are causing you to be pulled away from God? Is it malicious? Does it make you angry? And I don't mean that righteous anger, that rare righteous anger that's leading you to action and healing. I'm talking about I want to rip somebody apart. I want to put them in their place. I want to show them how I'm powerful and they're not. That is not godly anger. Godly anger doesn't remain anger. It's a driving force that leads to conviction and action. Filthy is the language unwholesome. Is there hate? Then that's not the right lens. But this thing that you're trying to figure out, does it bring compassion, kindness, and humility? Does it worship Christ as supreme? If you're being kind to someone in place of worshiping the Lord, that's still wrong. That's still idolatry. Does it bring love? Does it involve complete forgiveness and reliance on God for what you need? And is there a unity of love that binds all of that together? There's a unity of love where the obedience of Christ and the supremacy of Christ and the worship of Christ and the reliance of the Christ all come into the same place. That's your sweet spot. That's the lens you want to use. That's the lens I want to use. And finally, 316. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's kind of a tall list. But really, I guess it comes down to something simple. It's Christ supreme and his love of the rule. Love of God, not love of self. Not even love of others. Love of others is important. That's secondary. That will flow. I tell you what, I can tell you from experience, you try to love others, when I try to love others in my own power, when I try to love others before God, it's kind of like trying to turn on the light. It's trying to work on a battery. Let's say you have like a, a computer or a laptop like I'm looking at right now and it has a battery and it has a cord. Trying to love others is trying to work off the battery of a computer without ever plugging into the source. You might do okay for a little bit but you're gonna run dry. If you plug into the source first, when Christ is your first love, you have more love for everyone else because you have an unlimited source. When Christ is your first submission. You have more ability to submit to and serve others. 
because you're plugged into the source of power and it renews. When Christ is your first priority, when my husband is number two and Christ is number one, I'm able to love him better, I'm able to serve him better, I'm able to appreciate him better, and you better believe I'm better able to see him better because I'm plugged in to that focus, to that source of all wisdom. That's what Paul's saying. Plug into Christ. Don't put in headphones and plug into something else and don't take off your headphones. <laughs> Good golly. Plug into Christ. Focus on Christ. Do what you know to honor Christ. The clarity comes in the fellowship and the seeking out of God and scriptures. Remember, Jeremiah promised. God promised through the prophet Jeremiah. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And may that be so. May that be so for all of us. Remember, I was the first one to have a focus problem yesterday, but I suspect I'm not alone. I suspect that we often, sometimes, have a focus problem and we don't realize it. A lot of times we don't think it's us. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us for blaming others, for blaming you. For our lack of focus, Lord. For not paying attention to what we know and trusting you to give us what we don't. Forgive us for not seeking you more clearly. Forgive us for bowing down to other desires and often even calling them you. As we just work and work and work and work and work for you doing what we want and expect you to bless it. Lord Jesus, give us a focus, give us a clarity. Help us to love you better and to see you better and to seek you better, God. And show us if there's something in our lives that's blurring the lens or moving our ability to hear, Lord. Just smack us in the face with it. Help us see, God, because we know the best thing is to see you more clearly. If there's unforgiveness in our heart, Lord, show it to us. If there's someone today that is being kept from healing or true freedom in you, because of something they're harboring against someone else and won't let go, Lord. Help them to see that and give them the courage to just lay it at your feet because of what you can give us, Lord. We trust you. Forgive our unbelief. We love you. Forgive our lack of love. We honor you, God. Never enough, but you'll take what we, can, what we give and turn into amazing things, God. Thank you for the amazing day you have for everybody. And just be blessed, God. Be blessed by us even as you overwhelmingly bless us on a daily basis. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends.